Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Well, we've been seeing on social media some pretty heartbreaking photos of people going to any lengths they can to see each other. iPads being used, people talking through windows, putting up signs, just trying to find a way to stay connected and to stay close to the ones we love while we deal with this strange time of so- social isolation and in many uh, many uh, scenarios, quarantine as well. Well, my next guest says he would be willing to to take whatever testing, medical procedures of safety, anything necessary just in order to visit his wife, who currently lives in a long-term care facility. And joining me on the line to talk a bit more about this is Jeff Vigno. Jeff, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, and congratulations on your new show, Jill. Thank you. Uh, tell me uh, the situation you're in as far as uh, where your wife is and the difficulties of being able to still connect with her or contact her. Well, she's in a, in the Vancouver uh, city proper. Uh, I won't say exactly which care facility because, of course, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, myself, it's not just myself, of course. It's many, many families, as you have mentioned, that are uh, missing loved ones because uh, we know, we understand safety-wise, we should not be going in there uh, to visit with them. Uh, and um, she's only in her late 60s. She uh, got dementia uh, probably when she was about 64 or so. So, um, you know, they're finding more cases of this uh, earlier on and on in people. And, uh, of course, there's a big question about why is this happening and so on. But uh, in any event, um, it's not just the, while I can visit her via uh, FaceTime and Skype and these types of things, uh, it, in her case, she's able to still walk and uh, she's still somewhat able to communicate. She still seems to be able to recognize me and um, I've been visiting her uh, going on four years this month seven days a week in the evening primarily. So quite a routine uh, has been stopped uh, as a result of the, uh, the uh, COVID. And of course, I'm not blaming uh, the care facility at all. However, I am concerned that uh, if this is going to continue to go on and on and on, um, I'm worried about her mental state. Now, she's already, of course, having uh, you know compromised from uh, the dementia. But... Um, the family members like myself often uh, give uh, our fam- our loved ones uh, you know hugs and kisses and uh, holding hands and walking with them being with them uh, maybe participating in activities uh, that the recreational people uh, hold at these uh, care facilities and so on so my concern is is also the uh, mental aspect of it and uh, one of the reasons i contacted um, y- your yourself is can you bring someone on? I understand you. You will be after our interview in a few minutes uh, to <laughs> see if we can dial, delve into if this is going to go on another uh, uh, few weeks, months. Uh, you know that has to be creating some kind of uh, confusion. In fact, I heard a uh, a, a person who who specializes in dementia. Uh, interviewed on uh, one of the local TV stations in the last uh, week to 10 days saying that they uh, people with dementia in particular already have confusion. Mm-hmm. And then to suddenly not have uh, a, a, re- a regular routine or a regular person there adds more confusion on top of the confusion they already have. So uh, there's it's a dilemma. Uh, I fully understand why it's best 
that I perhaps and others not go in. Uh, I could be carrier a, a carrier in spite of the fact that I have no symptoms and I'd be willing to go through any testing that they have, wear gowns, gloves, masks, everything. But uh, uh, the aspect of the uh, mental condition, um, is, is this wearing down on her more? Um, myself and others uh, who've gone through this, there's this uh, guilt uh, that uh, never leaves you like you did something wrong years ago. Um, uh, in my case, for example, I used to do a lot of traveling in the summertime, be gone for a week or 10 days at a time. If I had known way back then that this was going to happen, I would not have gone out of town. If I had known there were only a finite amount of years left of her being healthy, I would have stayed. Uh, as it is, I was going every night to try to see her and be with her and uh, share these you know, remaining years with her. And uh, now we have this situation with COVID-19. And, and I get what you're saying. Like you said, you don't want to put anybody at risk or be a carrier and take symptoms in. Uh, but but I'm, I'm taking your argument is if the staff members can wear this protective gear and go through these testing, that maybe there would be a protocol or an exception made for somebody like you, a family member. Correct. I asked the uh, department head of the uh, facility that my wife is at uh, about, well, what happens, by the way, when the staff is going to work? And uh, what, are you guys just letting them come in and they just resume duties as normal and he goes oh no 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 they're they have to they have to go into a, a room there there's other uh, staff people there who will question them left right and center about how they're feeling etc they give them the uh, temperature test and uh, uh, I'm not sure what else besides the temperature test and a lot of questions but certainly they're going through uh, questioning and of course in uh, most cases uh, if the facility has had either a member a resident or a staff member uh, person ha- have uh, ha- have had the COVID or been tested positive for it of course they get them out of there uh, but uh, it, once COVID's been discovered to have been at least in the building in some form then all the staff uh, you know gown up mask up um, and so on and so on gloves and so on and so forth. And I guess there's no way, because we've talked to some other people who, have, who have, at least in the beginning, before we started seeing more cases in long-term care facilities, that were able to bring their loved ones outside and still maintain the two meters and at least be able to be in person, even though they weren't allowed to touch or be close. I'm guessing there's no way to do that in this scenario. Yeah, I, I've been uh, asked, you know, uh, people have asked me, what about if you were to visit uh, through a piece of glass and so on? And I, I'm... I think that that will just cause more confusion. Now, maybe I should still do that, but she would be reaching out for me. She will recognize me and, you know, and not understand, well, why can't, why can't we, why can't I get through this class? Like what's going on there? And then to, to worse, I think it would be if I was outside uh, and she was two feet from me that, she, you know, she'd be calling and reaching. The nurses would have to hold her back because she'd be immediately wanting to walk to me and, you know, like what's going on here. Right. So uh, we have done FaceTime. Uh, she does seem to recognize my face. I've seen her looking, you know, right at the screen and she reaches towards it like, oh, I see you in there. What What is this? Why? You know, this kind of thing. So uh, it, for the moment, it's better just to do the FaceTime, in my opinion. But um, uh, I'm just wondering if the, uh, uh, the Dr. Bonnie, uh, Henry and so on and others have thought how what what going forward, if this continues and continues and continues for uh, it's already been two weeks for me. Uh, but I know for other people I know who've got loved ones, it's been three, four weeks. Their care homes shut down the doors much earlier than the one I, uh, my wife is at. So uh, we're trying to, uh, I, I'm just hoping that there can be some 
something that can be done where it's person to person, even if I'm wearing a mask and a gown. And in the meantime, then what do you do as far as you mentioned the FaceTime? But that's got to be heartbreaking, too, because you don't know how much your wife is understanding or even getting why, why it's you on the screen and not there. Yes, but the uh, the, the staff people uh, at uh, the facility has been great. In fact, my wife's had to be in a couple of different facilities over the four years, long story short, and the, the frontline workers are uh, just amazing. And uh, most almost all of the uh, management uh, people have also been just bending over backwards. And I have to say that uh, I'm wondering also, I'm sure the Minister Dix and Ms. Henry are aware, my understanding is is that uh, at some of the care homes they've had staff has been caught with uh, the symptoms and they've been sent home. That's understandable. But I said to um, one of the care homes recently, well, what happens when you've lost three or four of your, your staff people? Is the ministry or some, somebody, to, is there a pool of nurse, nursing people or other people that can come in to replace the staff you're losing? Basically, the answer is no, which means that the staff at most care facilities are on a skeleton crew practically, it, depending on how many of their staff people have been uh, caught with the virus uh, or tested positive, I should say, and sent home. Right. Uh, Jeff, let's leave it there. Like you said, we are going to check in with the uh, long-term care providers uh, just after the next break. But thank you so much for sharing this because there are many other people I know that are in similar situations. And you're right, thinking down the road, two months, three months, if this continues, what's going to happen. So thank you so much for sharing your story. You're quite welcome and good luck.